All right, what's going on, everybody? Brian Zimmerman here, host of Jazz is Live, coming to you on a Monday. And you all know what that means, our favorite day of the week. That would be Miles Monday, the day dedicated to celebrating all things Miles Davis. We're joined, as always, uh, on Miles Monday by our co-host, Vince Wilburn Jr. That would be drummer and nephew to Miles Davis, Vince Wilburn Jr. And on today's episode, we're also going to be joined by another special guest. That would be Christian Scott Atunde Ajua, a trumpet player and composer who has been knocking down genre walls for as long as this cat has been playing the horn. He grew up in New Orleans, uh, and he is the nephew of Donald Harrison Jr. and the grandson of Big Chief Donald Harrison Sr. He has a new album out right now, just released, called Axiom, that we're going to be talking about. And uh, most importantly for this show, he's got love for Miles Davis. So, uh, in fact, he plays in the Miles Davis Electric Band, which is led by Vince Wilmer Jr. Anyway, they're both here. They're both backstage. Let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and bring him in. Christian, Vince, you guys here? Oh, yeah. What's happening? <laughs> hey, What's up, fellas. Vince? What's, What's up, up you? Miles Monday, Miles Tuesday, Miles Wednesday, Miles Thursday. <laughs> Miles every day. Miles, Miles every, every day. day. I'm rocking day, the merch Miles. too, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much both for being here, Christian. Sincere, sincerely appreciate it, man. Oh, no. I, I'm, I'm glad to have the moment with you guys. Excellent. How has this kind of lockdown era been going for you, man? Uh, what's been going on with you? What have you been working on? What have you been listening to? How uh, are things? Well, you know, we've, um, you know, obviously people are enduring very difficult times uh, in this moment. You know, it's the lack of resources in a lot of American communities. So, you know, it, it's 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 important to sort of um, to be mindful of those things in a way that you know, and 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 whatever you're enduring. But for for us, this time period has actually been really, really incredible, fruitful. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, because it's allowed us. You know, I'm a person that I started going on the road when I'm 13 years old. Right, right. right? right. I'm 37 now. You know, so so that's a number of years. <laughs> yes, and, sir. Um, I'd never taken a break or a vacation. You know, mm. I'm an Aries. I'm a dude that I wake up every morning at 6 a.m. and do something. You know, if it means I'm going right. to shop in the horn off, I'm going to write a grant or whatever it is. Right. Manage the app company, any of these things, delegate, right. whatever. Um, and so what's been interesting about this time frame has been that, you know, we've had the moment to reevaluate some of the things that we do over and over and over as a means of building a sustainable floor for our musicians and artists with stretch music. Yep. So most of what's been happening has kind of been tethered to the label and the app company. Right. So, you know, it's um, it's been interesting in that, you know, so much of what our mode of operating has been has been rooted in the feeling that you need to always be on the road and always playing. Right. Um, you know, to, to sort of get over the hump and to spread the music. And uh, what has been really amazing about the last four or five months is our ability to be able to take a step back from it and to sort of uh, be more intentional about what we're watching from the other tenants of the business. Yes. Right. And so, yes. you know, obviously we just released a new record, live record Axiom. Um, you know, that was volume one. There's another okay. six volumes worth of content that will come out probably over the course of the next wow. decade. Um, I, we just finished tracking a new double record 
um, that's going to be coming out next summer called Bark Out Thunder, Roar Out Lightning, which is uh, the, the record is basically the correlative to my coronation as chief in our culture, yes. um, which which is, is going to be really cool. We were, I was actually just on the phone with one of the, the directors for the, the short films that we're building for that double record. But then there's another two records that are going to come out two months after that record. So so we got five projects lined up for the next 18 months. And so, you know, if I'm on the road, you know, I like to make sure that I put something out every year. Yeah. Um, but if I'm on the road this year, a lot of that actually gets pushed back. Like yes. we had planned on putting out the live record because we recorded it and we were due for a live one. This is my third live one. But um, but I didn't know when these other projects were going to be done based on what my schedule was, because this through this entire time we had work. You know, yeah. like we had to cancel the Playboy Jazz Festival, you know, Kennedy Center dates, all of these things. So with being inside the house and, you know, I could build like, you know, Ancestral Recall, these records are built. I'm predominantly the guy playing all that stuff, playing these dune dunes and airway drums yeah, and man. all this stuff. So <laughs> what's been really cool is to, to also have the time to be in my home and to codify what the new language is and how these instruments relate to what we do in creative improvised music, stretch music, jazz. Yes, yes. And so if I hadn't had this moment, um, I, I know myself well enough to know, and my lady reminds me every day that I don't take breaks, you know, right. so I, I wouldn't have had time to do this. So, you know, as difficult as a time is that obviously we're enduring on a macrocosmic level, culturally and socially, um, for our business, it has actually been really great because we have all these new records lined up, not just my content. Sarah Charles has a new record coming. Yes. Weedy Brahma has a new record coming. Davi Sanchez has a new record coming. Eddie Palmieri has another. These are people that are on our label and on our app coming. So, so to be able to, to also manage those things better um, and to learn more about those tenets of, of what we're building in the business has been like really deeply gratifying to have this moment for that in lieu Absolutely. of all of the turmoil. No, it's so true. And we will get back to stretch music, both the music yeah. and the app in a minute. But mm -hmm. it, it's important for a lot of people to realize, you know, in jazz, which is like a music of self-starters, you yeah. know, it's a grassroots music. The art and the business, the hustle are a lot of times intertwined. And mm -hmm. this pause was like a moment to really focus on the art, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I think we're going to be seeing a lot of beautiful things on, mm -hmm. on the other side of this thing. Uh, whenever and uh, wherever that may be. But uh, yeah, the new album, you brought it up. It is live. Oh, before we go any further, let me just remind people watching, you know, whether you're watching on Vince's Facebook page or, you know, Christian's. Uh, if you have a mm -hmm. question for Christian, if you have a question for Vince, uh, drop us a line on the Jazz Is Facebook page uh, or let us know where you're watching from. Let us know if you've ever seen Christian in person. Um, just say hello. And that can all be done on the Jazz Is Facebook page or the Jazz Is YouTube page. We'll throw it up on screen. Uh, and yeah, if you have a question, we'll make sure we get to it at the end of the show. Can I Christian, just add something to yeah, part man. of what you intimated, though, too? You know, I'm, I'm one of these guys that like to give comprehensive answers. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and so it's I think it's very important. I think for if there are younger musicians and artists that are actually watching what's going on in this moment. Um, I think it is is really important to also reevaluate what the relationship with uh, how music is disseminated to the larger populace. You know, mm. uh, I think that's really important because, you know, part of what we are fortunate to be in a place where we can reevaluate these things from my business standpoint. But a lot of the sort of impediments that pop up in terms of the things that I try to communicate with a lot of my peers. 
um, are rooted in the mindsets that we have about how to continue this conversation and move resources forward in this music, right? So, you know, more often than not, when we are appraising the relationship between artists and record labels, we're doing that from a space that is also as artists has been conditioned into you. Right. Which is the that this sort of linear narrative that says you grow up, you practice music, you get good and you get a record deal and you make music, but you let them handle all of the business. Right. right? (laughs) And so part of what that is actually created is uh, multiple generations of practitioners in this culture of music specifically um, that you could argue have the highest level of refinement in the history of music musically, but in terms of their business acumen, those don't actually exist. Right. And so, you know, it's it's important to reevaluate these things and to bring those things into the larger conversation in this moment. Like part of what has been successful and why we've been so successful with stretch music in the last few years is completely tethered to the fact that all my artists maintain ownership of their master recordings. Right. All of our artists are literally walking into a scenario, a situation where we are intentional, intentional about making sure that they hold on to the other abilities to monetize that recorded asset. And I'm going to give an example for people that don't know as much about what I'm talking about. I'm just going to give two examples. When you sign a traditional record deal or those older structures, part of what usually happens in that space is for your right to be able to play in this larger environment through their marketing and building of your brand and all of these things, part of what they're asking for is they want to take some of your publishing, if not all your publishing money. They like to take money from your syncs and licensing. Now, mind you, what ends up happening to most artists is they create this beautiful document and they are relegated to only being able to monetize the facet of that asset that directly relates to them selling it in a store. Right. And so I'm right. giving this example to say something. So 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 they, they they spend all this money making a record. Right. Maybe they do. Maybe the record does. Maybe it's a mix of those realities. But they spend this time, resource, money, capital making a recording. And then when the recording comes out, the they only get to benefit in in what comes in from that recording from a space of. If this guy walks into a Staples and buys that album for $9.99, or if someone goes into iTunes or Bandcamp and buys that record for for $9.99, when the record label is in a position where they may get a call from Paramount saying, we got $75,000 for this, for 30 seconds of this track to actually be in this filmic work. But because of what they've signed, the artist is not a part of that conversation. So they don't get to control their own destiny because they don't actually own or have any larger vested interest in what that asset actually is. So more often than not- The key key is to owning, you know, agree, the key is to owning your, your music. Yep. It's, it's, property, it's always been that. And we've been, and, and, and we, you know, and the thing is, it's like you and I talk about this stuff, and I've learned so much from you just, you know, in, in terms of how you manage your reality and also Unk's reality empire, mm-hmm. you know. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the thing is, it's like we build this reality that essentially says and creates an environment where the artist essentially becomes the record label's best customer. And what I mean mm. by that is, we create this projection yes. that says the guy that goes into a record store that buys a record is the customer. But just as one example, if you sign a deal to a traditional record company and you want to sell your records on the road, but you have to buy your records for $5. I know some guys that have to buy their damn records for $9. Yeah. 
If you need 10,000 copies of that over an 18 month period at $5 a pop, then you just had to pay $50,000 to just get your own records your own to sell. So how is the yeah, dude walking right. into a Starbucks the best customer? Yeah. So the point that I'm making is, is it's time for a total overhaul and a real reevaluation of what this environment is actually built to do. Because if my business can thrive based on giving the lion's share of the money and the resources to our artists, then companies that have been doing this for 70 years certainly are in a position to make build fair and equitable deals for these artists. So, so, so that is also part of what's being reevaluated in that. Yes, moment. not just the art. Yeah, I see what you're saying. No. It is, it is something like my friend uh, Gerald Clayton said. You know, this moment. A lot of people think of it as a pause, and that will get mm. back to business as usual afterward. But if yes. this is a metamorphosis moment, yes, this is absolutely. an opportunity to really metamorphosize and and change the way we're currently doing things. And I know, yeah, stretch music is going to play a major part of that. Um, we hope like, so. You know. Yeah. You know, and at and least in just, terms of building a model, you right? Know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They the, should, yeah let's go there because this yeah. is by this is a label under which you're releasing a lot of this music. But this is it's, more it's, than just a label. Yeah, it's the absolutely. It's the, I mean, blue, it's the blueprint, Christian. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, thank you, Chief. I mean, you know, for yeah. me, it's like it. It's it. So just to give some context, I my first recording contract was with Concord Records and Universal Music. Yep. And their relationships that I have there now, there will be lifelong relationships. The guy that we produce the records with, Chris Dunn, he's, he's the director of the A&R program there, but also produce records with them. So I'm I'm also being clear that I'm not saying this these things from a space of there's a right and wrong. This is not a black and white issue. It's, it's a lot of gray area because we're talking about resource allocation, right? right. And so for me, seeing what that environment was like and seeing what the environments of a lot of my peers were actually like, I understood the import of, of even if you're going to have to go through five years of scratching, 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 scratching at the surface to build something. Once you have a floor and a sustainable reality to be able to build from, if you can then create other opportunities for other artists to do the same things, that's how we make the change. So I appreciate in this moment, the projection of like stretch music being a, a model and one of the templates. but. In order for us to to stave off the sort of systemic and cultural sort of battering that has actually happened to this culture of music, it means that we're going to have multiple tentacles of comprehensive models that do different things. So that way, the larger system cannot say kill that one, right? Mm. Because this is mm -hmm. that's also something that we see happen politically, culturally in this country, right? right. right? If there are more than one ways to actually attack whatever the larger impediment is, the more likely we are to actually achieve success. So it's 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 it is a model to me, you know. But I also see and have conversations with people like Jose James, right? Who's who's building? They're building their entire collective in reality. I have conversations with people like Terrace Martin that are are are, are constantly engaged in trying to figure out ways to actually build a floor, but this is not new in that and so for me i think the most important thing is for us as a culture and a community of creative improvisers to actually say that this is going to be the generation that stops this mm. you have the means of doing it i tell my students this all the time for what you got for this deal from you know said record label if you had just done your work and went into a bank to get a, a loan a business loan the only thing the bank wants is their money back with interest they're not right, taking right. your ability to to actually monetize all of the other assets. So I, and so I you, think we and have you to, own it. 
and you own it, I mean, that's the key. Right? Owning. <laughs> Owning. <Yeah>. Ownership. Ownership. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it. You know, I know I, I, I get in a space where I, I can get on a tangent. I did the Jazz Journalist Association meeting. I started talking about this stuff and the whole fucking feet went down. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, and it was like, I felt so bad. You know, it was just like, I know I might be, you know, this, some of this stuff not, might not be culture, but it's important that everyone, every part of this community, even, even our journalists, which are a huge part of how this music is actually disseminated and incredibly vital to this music, to also understand that there's also synergy between what they experience and what we experience. So and, true. And, you know what, and so, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. But I just want to chime in for for yeah. the for the for the younger audiences, for the younger musicians like yourself mm -hmm. and and the Terrace Martins, you guys have to change the paradigm to change the shift. You know, mm -hmm. for for an mm -hmm. artist like Miles Davis, be Brian. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he's Miles Davis, so mm -hmm. he's got a vast catalog. Right, and, right, and and, so, and plus he's not here. But I'm just saying, mm -hmm. he's got a legacy. But mm -hmm. for young cats trying to make a make a you know make a stance and make a statement in their in their careers, mm -hmm. then it's it's time for a change. Now, right. now, I'm not putting down Sony. I'm not putting down right. Sony Legacy because we have right. a beautiful relationship. Right, with, this, with, but it's with, always that the, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. relationships, on, the relationships are not just black and white. You know, because yeah, yeah. like you talk when you're talking about um. Like, look at the volumes of beauty that he actually created with that relationship. But the relationship was also rooted in his vision being the primary vision. Mm -hmm. This is also mm -hmm. a part of what we're talking yeah, about, yeah, right? Yeah, because yeah. more often than not, you get a 20-year-old jazz musician signs an incredibly exploitive record deal to some large label that has maybe existed for a long time. And now he's being dictated to by an executive of what to make in this moment. That yeah. that he has no connection to other right. than buying it, right? So so right, it, right, right. But again, Terrace and I can make those choices because of what Miles did, right? right. And because mm -hmm. of the resources mm -hmm. that came. So it's like it's it's always a process. And 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 I don't mean to cut you off, Unc, but part of what no, I was no. just saying was just that relationship is also important, and that's also part of what's being reevaluated in this moment and what needs to change. Right. The, right. the sort of cultural imperative that says that the person that has the cash that is investing in someone that's maybe coming out of a marginalized or otherized community that needs to have the ability to express themselves is going to take the league minimum for the right to do so is actually a terrible model. And it's not new. We know there, there are examples of Freddie Kepper, right, who, who was the, the arguably after King Oliver and, and Buddy Bolden, this was like the King Cornettist in New Orleans around mm -hmm. the time of the first recordings. 1916, you know, he was the person that was actually approached to make the first jazz recording. But he is on record saying that he did not want to make those recordings because it would conscribe his people like him to being essentially slaves or indentured servants mm -hmm. in that system. So mm -hmm. Think about the reality that we're talking about when there was a person a hundred years ago before this industry even existed that had the insight to be able to see that it was nothing more than a different extension of fucking sharecropping, right? Mm -hmm. So so this is what we're really dealing with at this point. It's larger than just me or Unc or, or, or you, Brian, or, you know, it's larger than all of us. And it will require all of us being intentional about actually listening and hearing the perspectives of the other people in this communal space. Because more often than not, Brian, I assume I know your reality. Just like in some moments, you may assume you know mine. 
And the point is, is that most of us actually don't have a clue what the other man is really going through. So it makes more sense to have these types of forums to actually work through those things. Yeah. And what's interesting, Kristen, is, you know, you yourself, people like Terrace Martin, my, even me, we're of a different generation. We have different technologies. We have different ways to disseminate this media at yeah, our stretch disposal. Music app. Stretch yeah. Music app is a perfect yeah. example. You know, come and get it. <laughs> and just like just like what you say about your music and what you exemplify in your music, I've heard you say this about music. Something like people ask you, you know, what, how do you see yourself in the jazz tradition? And you're like, your quote was something to the effect of, you know, mm. I play the music that a person like me plays, having listened to, you know, Buddy mm. Bolden. And Biggie, you know, and Miles. Mm. It's like I have that much more tradition, that much more mm. perspective to work with. So mm. you just like you were saying, things that may have worked for Miles in that generation, we take into account. <sighs> we you know, employ those we alter every day. What we have, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is, it's like for me, I have always, just to give some context. I didn't learn this music from like extensions of the cultural exhibition. I learned it from where it's from and right. the neighborhood it's from and from the children of the people that created it. Yeah. And mm. when I was small, my teachers, well, first off, it depended on how you use the word jazz. That context is very complicated. I couldn't say that word in front of my great grandmother because it was a swear word, right. you know, but, but in context where the word, the nomenclature was more accepted, maybe with practitioners, they would always say, um, they would always say that jazz and blues are synonyms of each other and that jazz was just blues that attempted to learn to speak all languages. Mm. And I always oh. thought that that was the most beautiful thing because it was coming from people that outsiders will walk into that environment and say, this person is a traditionalist and this person is a bebopper, just as an example, right? Yeah. But what I learned as a little boy growing, growing in the environment was that with this music, the actual tradition in this music is the constant the constant search for new realities and better ways to communicate yes. and that being mm. connected to you excavating what your experience has been through traversing those things yes right so so when you when you like Unc and I were talking earlier this week about uh about his uncle Miles and and part of what he did with Guinevere obviously we made a, a we made a a cover of a cover you know yeah, yeah. Uh, but mm -hmm. but it's just because I remember hearing that as a kid and being affected by it because he was showing you in the recording he's bending these notes so far part of what I could hear in that moment was that this is not well-tempered music mm. he's playing notes that don't exist in this version of the you know so so my point is for the man to have the awareness to tap into those other cultural exhibitions and vernacular as a means of communicating his story this is the jazz of it if we're going to make that yeah. a scene yeah. it's it's not saying that if it, if it doesn't go tang tang to tang <laughs> tang to tang it's right. not jazz you know yeah. well and yeah. i just have to say and like I, we have a whole album to talk about but let me yeah. just say for this first one of the most amazing things i've seen in music in all of music in the past i don't know 10 or 10 or so years mm. is this cipher you did for complex oh that was so much fun wiki yeah. Ferg. Or ASAP Ferg, your old Droog. Yeah. And, you know, just for people who don't know, and a cypher is to like hip hop, what, you know, just it's a jam session. Jam session. You know, it's a jam session. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can just tell laying down your groove with the band 
that there was something universal that was communicated to everyone participating. Right. You could see it in their body language. You could see it in their faces. Everything was just elevated. Mm. And so that commonality you're talking about, yeah. that kind of universality, that was the most visual example of it I've ever seen. The closest. Oh, man. No, seriously, <laughs> man. I, it was, and we'll post it. And when we post this uh, interview on our site, I'll post a link to that cipher uh, because you just see everybody, their bodies just are like, I'm home. I'm home in right. something here. Well, you know, it's like what what's cool about that moment for me because you know, having hung out with some of these guys after the fact and getting their kind of assessment of the moment. You know, Ferg was to me, he was like, you know, we're taught that these things are not the same, right. are not are, yeah, yeah. are divided. And part of to my earlier point and part of what I intimated to him was I don't those cultures are not different cultures. They're just different, they're branches on the same tree. Yeah, but when 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 I hear KRS One or Saul Williams or Nas, and when I hear those things, I can hear the bebop of it. It's yeah. not divorced from me. They're not different. It's just the tools that we are employing to communicate those things. Yes, but like I think Unk would probably be in a better position to tell from a, a larger historic uh, context about hip hop because obviously, like my relationship with hip hop starts when I'm a teenager in the '90s. Really, right? I yep. heard it yep. as a kid. But I'm missing 25 years of that context that he lived through, you know? So, like, you know, I know we, we have a frame for it, but I kind of be interested to hear what he has to say about the synergy between those cultural groups and what that exhibition is. Because, yeah. you know, if we were on a flight to uh, another flight to Australia, I'd be asking him this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is where Miles we, was had, I mean, toward Brian, the end of his career. Yeah. yeah. We used to have these long discussions about music, about, <laughs> about changing the, 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 the you know the, the, the you know changing the um, changing the shift in music um, you can't place and I love Stella by Starlight mm -hmm. Uncle Miles didn't want to play Stella by Starlight right. after mm -hmm. he did, he didn't have old records and I've repeated this a lot in, in the house mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you know it takes a musician like Christian and his and, and Terrence and those guys to say hey this is the change, and Brian. Even the way you uh, um, this the Facebook Live and and the jazz is, we have to elevate, right? And and we have mm -hmm. to we we can't be afraid to elevate, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and 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 that's one thing Miles told me. Don't don't fear any mistakes because there are none. There are none, right? There are there none. none. Yeah, you know. Right. Um, Teaching moment. And, I, and he said, "Stop! Don't read critics. Don't read what critics say." I caught shit for, for having Layla Hathaway on a rubber band record. I caught shit, and I love Layla Hathaway. And if mm. I loved her, I think Uncle Miles would have loved her. So we got <laughs> we had her on rubber band. Yeah. Let's see. You know, yeah. and, and yes. the list goes on. I mean, they're, they're fair. <laughs> but when we did Everything's Beautiful with Robert Glasper, Rob mm. has a um, connection with these artists that I couldn't call up. You know what I mean? I so yeah. I said, well, Aaron and I said, let's call Rob. And mm -hmm. and that's how uh, um, everything is beautiful came to fruition. Don mm -hmm. Cheadle called me and said, "Hey, hey, hey, Neff, call me Neff." He mm -hmm. said, "Who do you see?" Since we couldn't get Herbie Hancock, because Herbie was was um, you know, busy doing his global thing and working all the time. He said, "Man, who do you who do you feel is steeped in jazz mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and and has that hip hop connection?" And my, mm -hmm. my 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 mind said, "Thing, my the bell, rock." Mm -hmm. Yeah, we call up, you know, and it's our shit fat. Hmm. Right. You know, right. 
you know, and it's, it's, it's but, he's like the mayor, you know, to also yeah. just to, to piggyback off of Unk's point, you know, Robert's ability to sort of build community in these seemingly disparate cultural yes. groups that are actually related. I mean, he has the ability to galvanize those resources and put the right people in the room, but also represents the orchestra of this music. This guy right. understands yeah. and knows what's going on. He's not playing it. And, uh, you know, again, to mention uh, the Miles Davis uh, movie as well. And it's just like, and they're also like, it's not just me. They're all of these guys are masterful. Keon Harold is masterful. Yes. You, you know what I'm saying? The people that are actually playing in this space, they're not, that's not a game. Like these guys can really, really play and they really understand. So in terms of like the element, like elevating component of it as well, we also have to stop these narratives that create a, create a projection that the greatest music has already happened. And therefore someone like Keon or Robert walking into an, an environment have to therefore go through some litmus test from someone right. who can't even do the thing to be valuable or valid. So right. that is also part of what has to shift. You know, you know, B and, and, and Christian, hmm. when, when I call you play with the, the Miles Electric Band or, or Keon or Etienne mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. or, or Nicholas Payton or, or what, uh, Jeremy Pelt, Sean, mm -hmm. all these cats, Sean Jones, all these brothers mm -hmm. are thinking progressively. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. you come when you come to play, when we play together, you already have the, the you already have the bet. You know what I right. mean? So mm -hmm. now and I always say when we play, we we not trying to rewrite the will. The mm -hmm. the way that music was played and recorded with those musicians that play with mouse, it's already been done. Right. This is our interpretation and love for the music. Mm -hmm. you, you know, it, 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 it has yeah. to be stated. You know, yeah, but and, how and you when, free us up too, you know, because you yeah, freed me but, up. I remember not forget well, my first couple of gigs, you were like let it loose. <laughs> I can't tell you, you already have you already have the foundation because yeah. your uncle Donald Harrison and I played with Miles together. So yeah. what I'm Absolutely. doing, as Miles did, was learning, mm -hmm. Brian, from the young mm -hmm. cats. Yes. I fucking mm -hmm. called Terrace, man. I'm like, Terrace, what's up? What should yes. I be listening? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, and that's Herbie, and he Terrace plays in Herbie, of course. But and Christian, I, I will we'll just talk music before right. we play, mm -hmm. and 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 that should be done with a lot of musicians. We should network and share that those types of um, 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 um you know, uh, discussions off mm -hmm. the bandstand, then on the bandstand dialogue. You know, mm -hmm. I talked to M. Tume yesterday. M. Tume told me that one night they would play. You know, I think they were somewhere in 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 in, in Detroit. And he said the music was so powerful, right? Because Miles wouldn't care what the he he was concerned about what was on stage. On the stage, he said. Right. Mm -hmm. He said that the place they were playing was an elevator. They took an elevator up to their rooms, right? Now you, we got to get him two me on. He said. Mm -hmm. He said, Christian and Brian, and and for our people listening, they didn't talk to each other on the elevator the entire way up to their rooms after the show. Mm -hmm. They played three hours straight, right? He said, "My Uncle Miles lied out on the floor of the elevator, and the cats were getting off the, the you know, at their, at the, you know, the floors. Nobody said mm -hmm. good night. You know, it's just what mm -hmm. we experienced. Right? Can you dig that? Yeah, I can and dig so it. Right I, I have to share that because mm -hmm. that's what I want. That's what I strive right. for. Right? You know, that that's what's important. 
um, um, to elevate. Yeah, but also your band too. For me, you know, like as as the younger generation looking too, it's it's not mixed. It's not. I don't miss the fact that your band is also one of the only mixed generational bands we have left. Mm. And that's also very important. That's really important, right? Because like I talked about before, it's like just as an example with a young 20 year old coming in and signing a record deal. Now you got to lead a band of 20 year olds and then they have to endure getting exploited until someone wakes up as an example. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is why it's important to have these sort of bands because I can go and I can literally speak to Robert Irvin about his experience. I can speak to uncle about his experience and not now, mind you, when I'm speaking to uncle Vince, I'm not just speaking to a, a a musician. I'm speaking to a man that has managed all kinds of business and relationships. And so, so it's important for us as the younger generation to also understand the necessity and the utility of being around masters and yes. being around people that have actually had those experiences. Like for me as a kid, obviously, like I'm Doug's nephew. So you know, Donald's, his whole thing is he's come, obviously he was a jazz messenger, played with Roy Haynes, but his love for Miles is crazy. And so when I first started, these were some of the first things he started me with, the turns, figures, mm-hmm. things he actually learned from the man, right? Yeah, Not like yeah. from a jazz theory book, but you know, check this turn out, like from the actual situation, you and, know? And, so, then it, and then he'll turn around and you check out some James Brown and some Maceo. Or some, right, you know. and get yeah. down and know yeah. the whole thing. But yeah. Again, like his band for us was really a, very similar to Art Blakey's band because you look at Donald's maybe last four or five quintets, it's like Donald and then a group of 18, 19, 20 year old guys, right? Right. right. That he's training to bring mm-hmm. up. But he would always talk about the importance of the import of us going to other environments and playing with masters and to try and be in as many mixed bands as possible. So it's like, you know, I'll never forget getting a call to get with you. And I was so excited to play. And then you let me stop banging on my pedals and everything and yeah. trying some different things. Out, Brian, you know? he said, I'm going to bring some pedals. I'm going to bring some pedals on the road. I said, <laughs> I said bring everything. When, when, he said, bring like, everything. You know, you know yeah. Daryl Jones man. plays with us on bass. Daryl mm-hmm. Jones, right? But yeah, then man. when Daryl can't make it because he's out with the Stones, then Mono right. Neon plays or Richard Patterson. Yes. Now, now this, this brother, Mono Neon, right? Mm. First gig, we're playing Black Sea Jazz Fest, mm-hmm. right? Somehow he missed the connection on a flight, right? Right, he came in right before. Yeah. He, okay. he, he came in late at night. The gig the gig day, we're mm. sitting at, at, at breakfast. I said, are you cool? Yeah. He said, yes. Mm-hmm. He doesn't speak a lot. You know, yeah, nah, I'm cool. Right. I said, hey, man, you want to run over anything? No, I'm cool. And, and I didn't even mess with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I just, the way he said, I'm cool. You knew he was. Gonna was. Right. It was going to be <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. All right. Yes. Yeah. 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 A young cat I never played with. I just right. dug him because I dug him. I heard it with Prince. And I, I said, oh, shit, mm-hmm. he's, got this, he's got something to say. It's there. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and he we, we hit the sound check. Butter. It was oh, a monster. Boy. Yeah, it was, it a, was monster. a monster. But think, you about, know, yeah. think about that. Tr- think about the trust that we're re- he's really speaking to right now. Yes. Right? Because... That's what Miles gave to us. That's what Duck gave to you. Right. That's what you yeah. give to your musician. Hey, yeah, Pete, I, I talked to, to, to Christian's drummer, Corey. Oh, I, I call him Neff. I, I said, Neff, you're playing mm-hmm. your ass off. He hit me the mm-hmm. other day. I said, what did you think of, of the rendition of, of, Unc, of Uncle Miles? Oh, Guinevere. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, said, I said it was a motherfucker. I just, you know, fire. <laughs> That's what I put. With, with mm-hmm. emojis, with fire. Yes. Mm-hmm. See, mm-hmm. But see, B, Christian and his band and, 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 and musicians like that, they took it seriously. 
You know yep, what I mean? Yes, they do. It ain't no shucking and jiving and no nah. B- BS. You know, yeah. even with, and mm-hmm. that's how you run your label. That's how you're yep. as a man. I see you with mm-hmm. your brother. His brother yes, is incredible. Yeah, director. bad director. Yeah, you know. Yeah, kill him. But yeah, it's the process, you know. And you you bring process. up Corey. I don't know how y'all all are, are on time, but I'm good like, and I'm enjoying. So, <laughs> but oh, absolutely, but, man. No, we can roll. <laughs> okay, cool. But it's it's um, you know, something I learned from my uncles, and I try and carry this with me every day. It's like if you fall in love with the process that's required to sharpen a thing or to be great at a thing, if you can yes. fall in love with the process, then everything that you endure and you go through in doing it, you it's, it just becomes a part of it. You right. don't you're not you're not maligning any of those things that happen as being negative. Right. You don't. You're not it's, it's not focused. necessary. You're not, right. Yeah. You're not it's not. It's not, yeah. it's not necessary to escape. It's not yeah, right. necessary yeah. to 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 not be serious. You know, and something, and you know, he and I have had our squabbles over the years. Obviously, I've known uh, Winton since I'm maybe 11 years old, and everything. And so it's it's our relationship is great now. But when we were kid, when I was a kid, we used to go back and forth, and you know, because there was a lot we didn't agree about. Let's just put mm-hmm. it down, you know. Mm-hmm. But one of the lessons that I got from him that I also carry with me that is really, really important for younger people and that I'm very grateful to him for imparting was that it's, there's fun in seriousness. Hmm. And now, yeah. mind you, most young people, you put them in a room and they're around something that's going to cause a lot of resistance and the reaction to that may not be a positive one. But right. again, the point that Donald was making and that Skane was making was essentially the same point. If you can tether your mind to the to to actually having to struggle and endure through the building, just if you're just dealing with the trumpet, if you can get in this room and practice for seven hours until there's blood dri- dripping <laughs> out of the side of this fucking mouthpiece, yes. then you'll be a, a then you'll be a damn nightmare on a bandstand because you already went through the pain. So right. that's what I watch. That's what I watch Miles do. Even mm. AB, I mean, yeah, mm. I mean, he's Miles Davis in Malibu, and he had the horn right like mm. an extension. Always. Of him, yes, all mm-hmm. Ferraris and all the shit for materialistic, right. stuff, but it was about <laughs> yeah. you know homes on beat both coasts, but mm-hmm. it was about the music and and like yeah. you said, Christian, having that horn close yeah. to your lips, you know, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And and, and that nothing's thirst. gonna beat that. Nothing's Hell, gonna nothing's beat gonna that. Beat that. Like, you, you talk about right. Kobe Bryant, you know, like obviously yeah. Kobe just passed right. and people, Ch- you know, Chadwick, we were, man, what it's about the same, it's the same ideas, right? Right, the same ideas. Where it's just like, you know, go ahead. No, no, no. After you, you know, God, God, you know, Chadwick Boseman, you just lost doing those films under those, you know, under and having an ill circumstances, right? Yes, but never pushing that on anybody, right? You would never have known, no, what's going on with the man. And but that's the larger point that we're speaking to now. It's like, look. And, and it's also a larger point in terms of how we have to interact with each other moving forward in the future as human beings. If you are a person, if you live long enough, you will suffer. Doesn't matter where you come from, what right. you believe, what your ideology is, any of these things. If you live long enough, you're going to go through that. The point is, how do you build compassion? Well, part right. of that is also tethered to you understanding your own enduring and being able right. to see that every person you're dealing with is a mirror, right? It's all of this work is connected to the, on a, philosophical level to how we have to treat each other. The music has been an anchor for that since its inception. So mm-hmm. all of the things we're speaking to are completely related, but 
you know, the hard work of it, it's, you know, I, I have a lot of students, you know, yeah. and, and usually most of the people that you see make it to my band or end up in the band at one point or another were actually students of mine, yeah. the younger generation. A lot of Pinder shoes. Amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, yeah. This, you're talking about, I mean, it has destroyed the flute. Like, yes. But the point that I'm making is, is that like, when they are coming into this reality, the most important thing for me, even as the elder in that environment, is to actually listen mm. and to mm. actually do you understand? Like you talk about Uncle Miles, it's the same idea. You say he was learning he from listened, y'all. That's he what Doug to said. Tony. To- Tony, Tony Williams used to ask me. He said, "Man, do you ever practice? You know, well, you don't. How come you don't practice anymore?" Right. Uncle Miles was like, "The hell are you talking about? You know." But he could right. dig that Tony was like, you know, <laughs> right. Tony's young and and reaching. You right. know, right? Yeah. And and, and it's, it's important, man. It's important. And I can I can I'm still like a young kid at heart. I'm yeah, still trying to learn from Christian and Corey. And, and 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 Lawrence and all the cats in your band, Harris's band. I mean, you Yo, can never stop Miles, learning. You know. Miles, Miles taught me that. Duck doesn't yeah. stop learning. Right. Once you, you listen hey, to B, this B, one time shit. Oh my god. Once you cut <laughs> that off, B, now, right. you should you shouldn't play music anymore. That's what right. I love Lenny White for. Lenny White is mm-hmm. doesn't get pigeonholed into anything. Lenny well, White, it's like, to, to me, it's. Go ahead, go ahead. No, sorry. I, to me, no. it's, it's it's either expansive or it's not. Yeah. Mm. And so to, that's how I break down and deal with music. And a lot of times, you know, for, for as a younger band leader and coming in, you know, I think more people would imagine that my methodology for dealing with my musicians is like kind of rooted in like my visual sort of aesthetic, like a six foot black man with gold chains, he's probably like on him, like you gotta, you know, and, and, the, and on the bandstand there's certain moments where there's a roar, mm-hmm. but like I really defer and love and listen to the things that they have to say. Like you talk about uh, when, when Tony referenced Miles in that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, there's an example that my brother speaks about from when he was at school at the Cooper Union learning uh, visual arts, fine arts. And, and there's a story about a guy that walks into a bar and Picasso is in the at, having dinner. And the guy walks up to him with a sheet of paper and he's like, Picasso, can you give me an autograph? And Picasso is like, yeah, sure, no problem. He takes the paper and he draws a circle. The guy picks the paper up and he looks at it and he says, this isn't your autograph, this is a circle. Now mind you, it is a perfect circle. Hmm. One stroke, perfect, right? right? Hmm. Now mind you, from the layman's perspective, the guy asking for the autograph, he's saying, what the hell? He's upset about it, but he's not thinking about the fact that it took this man 50, 40, 50 years to be able to develop the acumen, to be able to, to make a perfect circle that quick, and that what he actually gave him was more valuable than his autograph. Right. Uh, right? Uh. So, so, so the point that I'm making is, is that in terms of the relationship with them, yes, I've been on the t- on tour for 24 years, and none of those years were like, we're not talking about like a high school jazz band year. It's like I started with McCoy Tyner when I was 17. Wow. Right? So, so, so these are, I'm in the, the bands at this moment as a kid growing up and seeing that. And the one thing that unifies all of the great leaders that I have been around was their actual compassion and reverence and, and want to actually listen to what it was that we were playing. They, he wanted to understand how to play behind me. <laughs> now think about that. This, wow. From my, from my perspective, there's right. no reason 
he should care about the lines I'm playing right now. Yeah. That's why you got me screaming behind the drums when your ass is playing you know, with the band. <laughs> you know, no, Christian. No, no. You know, they're with you. They're with you. And so, you know, when you when when I think about my relationship to the musicians in my band, I'm constantly screaming at Corey to go nuts. But it's because right. you know it's a space where there's an incredible amount of trust, and that the ability the, the what the trust builds not just in terms of our familiar relationship, in terms of being like a family, but in terms of its ability to conjure things in the audience that they didn't know they wanted to feel in that moment. Mm, it right. you become you know like Dizzy Gillespie, you know Bird and Diz say they had the cool weapons. You have the ability to, I have the ability to transfer my humanity to people that may only see me as an entertainer because of our relationships on the bandstand. There's an element of stretching there too, of unexpectedness, of an audience relationship to performer too. You know, they think they know what they want. You draw them the perfect circle. Yes. I start the record with saying that it's time to reevaluate. And a lot of times we feel like when we use this nomenclature jazz and these spaces, everyone that is weighing in or opining in that moment is a Fulbright scholar, but that's not where the power in this music lies. The power in this music lies in its communicative ability, the ability for me to translate my humanity. So in order to do that, it also means that in, in in terms of my actual life and how I react with people and my actual person, that I strive to be the most human I can be. Mm, it's, mm, not, it's mm. not just a philosophy of music. This is the abstract expression of the life philosophy. Yeah. And that was Hey, Brian. Eyes. Hey, Brian. Yeah. You, can imagine, you can imagine plane rides, right? Oh, man. What's that? <laughs> you can imagine our plane rides <laughs> to these gigs. Oh, but hey, and I've been on that. I've been on that yeah. flight to Australia, man, <laughs> oh, for international oh. jazz. You have but a I'm, lot you know, to talk I'm about. I'm just keeping swag. I'm always asking Unc what he's wearing. You know, and trying to figure out what the swag is. Even his luggage. Y'all need to see this luggage, y'all. <laughs> Clean it you know in the bowl of hell. You know, you know where I got it from. Uh oh, start to miles. You know what I mean? Just, oh, just to get around it. A no, lot of things. You know, he used to go to a store. He said, "Don't look at the price tag." I'm like, mm-hmm. "Shit, don't look at the You're price right. tag." <laughs> right. You know, yeah, I feel like our relationship. I feel like this that relationship is me to my uncle Donald. Really, mm, is. Mm, you know, because mm, he's mm, dragging me everywhere. Like, all right, now go ahead, check this out. You know, sorry, yeah. Fickles had a connection issue. I'm back. I'm back. Yeah, real oh, quick. Oh, what yeah. What made you? When did you know it was? I can have two two focus. What made yeah. it? What When did you know it was time to start stretch music? Mm-hmm. And 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 how did how did you know the artists that was were going to be part of stretch music? Mm. I mean, when did you know when that yeah. come? Yeah, it, it, you know, the thing is, it came in different waves over time. Like, you know, it's, and I'm glad you asked that question because it's really important to give context. Like your relationship sure, to sure. your uncle, my relationship sure. to my uncle. You know, there is nothing that my uncle can't play. <laughs> like, right? you know, True. like I've seen in the most, like we could just grab him some Rachmaninoff and put that shit out there. And not only will he be able to sight read it with the inflections, then he can go and create an entire 20 minute uh, solo laying out all of the tenets of what he just saw. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like there there are also musicians, you know, this is not my skill set. We obviously come with different skill sets. There are some musicians in different eras and, you know, and for that era and their time period that have different abilities. Like it's like mm-hmm. the, I always liken jazz musicians to being Jedi. 
right? So like one guy's got like the Yoda shit happening, right? And another <laughs> yeah. guy is a warrior. Maybe he's the Anakin, right? right. As an example. So what's, what was crazy to me about seeing my uncle and, and also watching the kind of reverence that other musicians navigated being around him with was that not only did Dono have the ability to, to play anything, a five and a half octave range and do all of these things, but his ability to be able to find the synergy between all of these different groups of rhythm was very different from a lot of his peers to my ear. So it's like, mm. there is no stretch music without Nouveau Swing, mm. right? Now, mm -hmm. Nouveau Swing was the concept of music that was very popular in the 90s, yep. especially from a lot of the, the not just your New Orleanian musicians, but a lot of the guys that was really coming more out of bebop and post by because yep. of Duck's relationship to them. So it was a moment where they were taking rhythms that came from other cultures and it superimposing the swing thing over those other musical contexts. So stretch mm. music could never have existed if I didn't cut my teeth in an environment that was already deeply fusionist, right? Yes, and so mm -hmm. by the time I have my own bands and I'm building what it is that we're building, part of what I'm seeing is that the sonic architectural aspects of fusing music uh, were, not as, uh, were not prioritized in the same way. And also the tribal and traditional and aboriginal rhythmic space and dialogue that, you know, the sort of dialectic aspect of tra deeply traditional music especially the music that comes from my culture, which you can actually argue is the closest to West African rhythmic, you know, the rhythmic uh, history that existed in that space through, through the black tribes of New Orleans are probably other than the Gullah Islands are probably the strongest tenant of the extension of what happened in West Africa rhythmically. Yeah. So to me, I also under, as a, maybe I'm right before we're about to do yesterday, you said tomorrow, it was really important for us to try and figure out how to add elements of those things in a quintet setting, and mm -hmm. then to start building them out in other settings. And in other words, when you hear yesterday, you said tomorrow, we had already been playing with percussionists and SPDSX modules and all that stuff, but we wanted to make a quintet record that, ex that was an exhibition of those things in a forum that was actually more normative for listeners. So each right. one of the records has a production methodology that is based on what we're actually trying to, to, to do. Rewind that, the introduction was built in a reevaluation of fusion and why was that? Why did we walk away from that sound in the late 90s? This is my own feeling. And why do I have to play what's considered straight ahead jazz right. to be viewed as valid? So As so a proving every, ground, yeah. Right, well, yeah. everyone up until that point, you know, you can make an argument that Rewind That was the first record in our generational space, where it was like you actually, you introduced yourself with your actual music, as opposed mm -hmm. to saying I can play bebop and then now <laughs> right. I, you know, but it was also because of being around those older guys that said, man, go ahead, you know, and do it your thing. Yeah, but so yeah, my yeah, point yeah. is, it's like you start, we started with fusion. Then we made an anthemic record that was tethered to what happened in New Orleans with the hurricane. That was a reevaluation of our own style of fusion. Then mm -hmm. we made a live record to commemorate your uncle's 50th anniversary at Newport mm -hmm. to show mm -hmm. we can do this shit live if you mm -hmm. want it to be that. There's no problem. Yeah. And then after the live record, we walked into making, uh, well, Rudy Van Gelder said he was going to come out of retirement to make the record. So we didn't really have a choice there. So we went and made the record. 
and so, mm-hmm. but the point that I'm making is from that all the way to Ancestral Recall and the Centennial Trilogy, which is like a hundred year reevaluation. All of those things are connected to my processing, my uncle's approach mm-hmm. and looking at those things and starting to understand the other areas of necessity in terms of creating a comprehensive model for younger generations to be able to walk in and fully express themselves. So in Donald's space and what it is that we're building is really more about unifying everybody under one understanding rather than defining people by definition. And you can show that through marrying. If I can marry an Indian raga with a Celtic folk song with the Delta blues, then what am I saying about those people? It's not just musical. <laughs> any, any cultural expression is also the expression of the people. Right. So if I can put those people together, then that's always going to be stronger than someone that's trying to define it or divide it based on what what they perceive those people as being. Right. And that was the t- the concept mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. But but Matthew Stevens, uh, Jamire Williams, Chris Fun, Lucas Curtis, uh, Zakai Curtis, these guys were the guys that were on the ground floor. That little Joe Dyson, Corey Fonville. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Elena, they're like the sort of second tier of it, but they were all coming and swimming around Donald's environment. Yeah. So they ended up getting grabbed and pulled in from the guys that are not like me, you know, around 37, 36 years old. But it mm-hmm. was not just me. Anyone that is projecting that is also up to something, in my opinion, that I, I don't like that because we also have a history of anointing one person and saying, oh, they did it. When it's like, right. no. It's a community of people that are doing that. Mm-hmm. I can think of countless days in New Orleans, dripping wet, playing uh, doom dooms and A-way drums and Achime Boo and all of this stuff with Joe Dyson, trying to learn what these rhythms were mm-hmm. and then bringing mm-hmm. in Weedy to come in from the, the actual continental side of this situation and to teach why we hear the synergy and all of those right. things. So mm-hmm. this is a workshop of people that are committed to, to helping this generation sharpen their ability to communicate as a community, right? And so for me, it's like, I always tether it to the, the vernacular. If we put five people in a room that come from five completely different cultural and linguistic backgrounds, vernacular backgrounds, they're firstly, if they have to get out of the room, let's say it's an escape room or any of those things, which I think is a very interesting metaphor for the American Republic right now. But nice. the point is, is that if they are having, if they have to achieve something as a collective, the first thing that they're going to do is going, they're going to have to codify a means of communicating. Hmm. Period. Yes. So that's what we're doing in this moment. That's the intention behind stretch music and second century jazz and the mindset behind yes. that is to open it up so that we can all communicate at the highest level possible. It's a beautiful thing, man. You see it in action on the new record, 100%. And, you know, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the new record. Oh, Axiom. Axiom. Yeah. Just drop. Just drop. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful, man. And let's get to the nuts Thank and you. bolts of it uh, real quick mm-hmm. at the end here. Um, this was a live recording. Mm-hmm. Kind of right before the curtain fell on a lot of these cases. It fell. <laughs> you know, we were. Yeah. When did you, you record know, it, this? It thing? was like we had we had moments where it was like you know the fire department was in there. Wow. <laughs> you know, man. well because what happened was it's like the first week where it became really clear that whether or not we had the leadership to tell us what to do or not in that moment yeah. that something was clearly wrong. Yeah. And so, you know, March 10th, 
was the first date that we actually started. And if you check back and look at it, this is like right around the time where all of the states were starting to codify how they were going to try and impede the the uh, the virus from spreading. Right. So we you know we had months of touring lined up after that but you know i thank god we were able to play at the blue note because we had planned on making these records and so what was interesting about it was is that you're playing in a moment where you can after the first night you could feel the fear you know you could feel that energy in the air and for me as much as i speak to the larger philosophy in terms of like what i just intimated i think what is most important in moments like these is to create courage if you have the ability to do so mm-hmm. and so for us we didn't want to walk away from the gigs because also most people don't notice but it's like and you notice know um, because i've seen you do it too it's like if i don't live in new york anymore so like my week at the blue note might be the only time i can take somebody like kojo or like emilio and, and and actually rap with them about what I see is going next and what they need to be working on in any of these things. So the gigs are also a means of you actually doing the community work. So mm-hmm. we didn't want to just walk away from doing the gigs because we didn't know when we were going to be back. So it's right. like, okay, mm-hmm. let's let's walk, let's endure these last couple of days and go in there and try and be deeply creative and play really unique things, original things and listen to each other. And so the reason that week was such an incredible week, like again, we have multiple volumes of the record, you're hearing what you're hearing, but we were intentional about going back every night and playing completely different things. So it was also a lot of fun because we're testing each other where, you know, everyone's really listening hard. And, you know, even in the press release, part of what I spoke to was obviously about the difference in, in, in hearing and actually listening. And so what I love about this record, the production methodology, how it's actually mixed is, I wanted to create a document that was kind of essentially a hybrid between a live record sound and a studio record sound that placed my listener on the bandstand with us. So when you're listening to the record, the way it's actually mixed and panned and mastered gives you the feeling that you're damn near standing right next to me. It does, right? yeah. So, so part of what you're actually getting it through, through how this thing is actually put together is, you're actually hearing the music as we hear it. And now you get to actually hear the how dense and the amount of dialogue that actually exists in stretch music, right? So the thing is, like when people think about this culture of music, what we're building right now, they don't really think of it as being a very, very, very close uh, recapitulation of bebop action because it's all of these languages. Like why we love bebop, right? Because it really is the glue music you know, the reason you could say Charlie Parker is arguably bop for this generation mm-hmm. is because of his ability to create stories in vernacular and language. Right. So mm-hmm. when you hear what we're doing in stretch music, it's also not just the sound of listening in terms of what Lawrence feels the pianist is feeding to the trumpeter, but you're also hearing the Jimbe Fola communicate in an older language that you realize is actually connected to what the pianist and the trumpeter are doing. Right. So what I love about the record is it's it's its ability to create new opportunities in terms of how we actually frame uh, what this music is and how we actually exhibit it. In other words, yes, the music is taking place in a, a sort of traditional jazz structure in that there's a trumpeter, there's a bass player, a drummer, and a pianist. But is that what you're actually hearing? Right. And so reevaluating all of those relationships and how we actually communicate to each other and showing the power of listening. 
this record, the reason to me that the record is a great record, and obviously I, from my point of view, you know, other people may have their own feelings about it. But what I enjoy from a listening standpoint about this record is the ability to hear us communicate with each other, the ability to hear us talking. And so that to me is, I think, part of what will be one of the testaments of how this record is designed and what it is that we're doing. But none of that happens if you're not intentional about listening. And again, that's a life philosophy. That's not just some shit you can conjure up when you walk on the bandstand. If you don't have the ability to have compassion and to weigh those things and to interact with people in your daily lives, that's probably going to inhibit your ability to be able to communicate with me through your instrument. So, <laughs> so this is the lesson that we're trying to impart, you know? No, it is a beautiful record, man. It is Thank an you, absolutely beautiful record. Sure. And, you know, your name is on the cover, but it is very much a group project, just like yeah. you're saying. Um, yeah. You can tell, you can feel the collaboration, you know, the collaboration. Yeah. You know, yeah, I can't, awesome. I can't, I can't do that by myself. Right. You know, like no, no. if I walk into a room, even I can have as many pedals as I want to have. On, <laughs> I can play for 20 minutes. They're going to just say, that's just a pipe. What else? You know, this, yeah. the context yeah. Yeah. is what yeah. gives it its beauty. And that to yeah. me is, I think the, the, the greatest metaphor in the entire thing in terms of what the culture exhibition is. It is our ability to galvanize resources as a collective that helps us move forward. And so the record, you know, the record, ugh. the record is beautiful and tribal at the same yes, time. Yes, sir. Chris. Right. Yeah. Yes, and as soon as I, I picked it up, got it off iTunes, mm. I called yeah. you. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And I called Corey. You know, mm. it's, 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 I, lo I love it. I was yeah. playing it before the show. And that's, and that's yeah, what the notion of expansion, <laughs> like you were saying, expansion is mm. stretching. This is not throwing out this is not starting anew totally you know no. it's very much an expanding and the first things that we call the first things weren't either right right all of it is an ex all of this all of it is, is stretch music extension. yes yes it's always, an ex it's always an extension man. no it, it's you and know? for especially for right now you know when we all do kind of feel kind of isolated um mm -hmm. that same feeling of just that that spirit lift i got from watching you and wiki and ferg and <laughs> i got from this album too it's just this sense of okay we're all here mm -hmm. now. Um, mm -hmm. Again, it's out right now. It's called mm -hmm. Axiom. People, go check it out. Um, mm -hmm. Right now, it was released last Friday. Uh, so yep. it's brand new. It's brand new. Yeah, it's only a couple of days old. And uh, yep. and and you will, you know, one, so, but since we were talking about the production methodology, my, the most fun part of the entire record is also how, you know, in how it's mixed, but also the relationships. We were able to pull certain sounds out, the crowd noise at certain moments, so you can yeah. hear different things. And so who, it's who not just like Q. Who did Q, it mix? Q million killed it. Q, the, another teacher. Um, you know, I, I have these he, uncles. He, he, you know, hey, hey, Brian, he's 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 the real deal. Yeah, he's the real behind deal. the scenes working his yeah, magic. Yeah, well, because he, yeah, he, he. The thing is, is, usually when you hear these records you get like a stagnant sound that's ba purely based from the audience perspective as being yeah. separate. But in this record, you're on the bandstand with us, but he was able to move some of those things around for you to hear that. Cause just as an example, you know this, when you finish a solo, that's when people start clapping. You know, they don't get to hear what else is being done in those right. moments when people are clapping right. like that. So, and right. usually the beginnings and endings of a story are pretty important. So we were able to pull some of those things out of the way to give more clarity so you can hear some of that mm. stuff. It's, it's brilliant, brilliant. Shout Thank out to you, Q, sir. man. Yeah, he, man, Q worked together on Under the Van. He's, 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 man, soulful brother. 
know, he's another fearless cat. He's fearless behind the board, you know. Yeah, and I've learned so much from him, you know, because it's, you know, I think this is like record 22 or something like that. And so over all of those records, there's a lot of learning and growing, you know. You know, I go back and I listen to Rewind that and I'm like, wow, you know, this is, this is interesting, you know, because I remember how I thought, you know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and what's been great is, and I tell this to my students and the guys, the, choreo, the younger ones that are in, in my band, what's really cool is, is like when you, when you grow up and you're a man and you're working on what it is that you're working on, and there are still other men and women that are adults that are connected to your learning and care and take the time and impart to you, right? Like, you know, yeah. obviously you go to school, maybe you go to college, you're paying somebody for that. But once you're out, like I'll never forget, my college experience was great, but it was also clear to a lot of my teachers that I was a competitor because I was already on gigs. And so there was certain information that wasn't always being imparted because you could feel that the energy was, well, I, I gotta be careful with how I'm disseminating that information. So my experience has shown me that it is not a common thing for adults to actually share in learning and to continue to teach and impart things. So like one of the reasons I'm so grateful for Uncle Vince, it's why I'm so grateful for Uncle Donald, and this is why we that unk that word for you know for, for Keith as well. For you know, I call I also call them all teacher. Mm-hmm. But it's because they don't have to tell me shit. They don't have to tell me anything. They could just say he'll figure the shit out. Right. But they still take the time to impart these things to me, no matter where I am in my life, what's going on. I know I can call them and tell them what's going on. And they have something that is nutritional that they're going to tell me. These are not yeah. people that are going to tell you to do the wrong thing. You know, and so somebody did it for us, which, you know, Ron right. Carter, you know, yep. I talked mm-hmm. to Emilio yesterday. My man, and he's going to be on this next one, the double one. OK, yeah. I mean, but that's the that's that's what we do. We, you know. Mm-hmm. Hundred yeah, percent, yeah. So, and for it. and we could kind of wrap up there on stuff on the horizon. You know, Axie mm-hmm. is out right now, and again, encourage everybody to go listen to that. You mentioned you. another one in the series coming out, and I'd love to talk about the app too, because I know yeah. you've been working on that, especially now. Stretch um, Music app is crazy, yeah. man. I mean, you know, we created uh, the first interactive media player of its kind, and in, and in being able to produce and build out essentially interactive records. Right. And so this template allows you to solo. Uh, mute, isolate, couple. There's, uh, you know, you have a looping function that you can customize if you wanted a second. If you want to start here and be two minutes, you can customize. Also gives you the ability to to pan any instrument, but there's also tempo control. So I can take something that's at 320 BPM and slow it down to 124 and it stays in the same key. So Mm -hmm. it's ability not just to, not just for audio files and people that want to have a completely different type of listening experience, but it's utility as an educational conduit is also really real. I mean, it just, it, it, it has been really the one, one of the most fun parts of my experience in the last 10 years was building this, but it actually came out of a moment where I was in college and I was listening to uh, around midnight and I got my mute. I'm in front of Berkeley and I'm playing and I'm like, Man, can I, I wish I love what he's playing, but I just want to get Miles out of the way so I can play it this time, right? And what what would exist? Like, imagine if we had the ability to listen to those recordings and to take Jimmy Cobb out and for you to practice with that band. Like, obviously, we have play-alongs, Jamie right. Abersalls, all of these things, right? But mm-hmm. 
those documents are usually not made with arguably the best practitioners in that space at that time. So right. it's like, if you could go back and get the hot five and do it, Louis Armstrong's hot five and do it, right. as opposed to just, you know, some guys that kind of play, kind of build in a palette, obviously mm -hmm. people are going to want to listen to Louis Armstrong and the hot five. So it was like, I was literally on the island at Berkeley. If anybody from Berkeley will know exactly where I'm talking about. And I was listening to Round Midnight and I was li listening to uh, Studying Brown. And I was like, if I could just move Clifford Brown and Miles, which is a lot to say, you know, but if I could just move them out of the way, you know, I really want to get into this. And so we created this tool and this conduit to where it's like, Stretch music was one of the top selling jazz records in the world. It, anywhere you could get it, it was selling at a ridiculous clip. And the app sold seven times more copies than the mm. actual record did. Mm. There were mm. people that were writing me that were like, I don't really fuck with you that hard, <laughs> but, <laughs> but this, app, this <laughs> is insane. <laughs> I have to give credit where credit is due. This is mm. really insane, you know? And so now where we're at is we're working on the 2.0 versions. All of the stretch music artists are actually in this moment building the content for the next versions of the apps. So I think probably in the uh, second quarter, 2021, you'll see between eight and 20 new apps from our artists. And, and, and the artists from Truth Revolution Records, which is Lucas and Zakai's record yes. label. That is basically kind of another type of partnership with stretch music. Okay. Beautiful, yep. man. Beautiful. And in the meantime, if people want to just follow along, see what's going on with you, what's the best place to do that? You know, I'm an Instagram guy now. Okay. You know, it's, it's obviously the website is it has most. You know, if you if you want the real information, you should go to the website. We hate, you know, every jazz musician I know hates Wikipedia pages <laughs> because you go there and it's like, you know, like my I'll never forget my first Wikipedia page was like nine pages worth of content. Now yeah. it's like two sentences that says like, oh, he's American, he plays trumpet, he's from New Orleans. So <laughs> don't go to that space for that kind of information. You should go to the website. Yes. But if you just want to see what's going on on a daily level, just go to Christian Scott Official on Facebook or Instagram. Beautiful thing, man. Yep. Vince, yeah. Christian, I appreciate this. You know, Vince, we do a lot of these, man. And, you know, the mm. conversations are always great. But mm. speaking with you, Christian, it was like, mm. it, it's just so nice to have your mind expanded, man, to just, you Thank know. You, open up new ways of thinking this was and i hope people watching felt the same thing because this is uh, why so we have conversations yeah. like this you know yeah. is is really just yeah. new thought you know no, and this is beautiful you, this is beautiful i mean it's just like you know for me having the opportunity to to rap with you guys and you know it's like my relationships with with all of these these spaces that you know sometimes i may get in trouble for uh for speaking a little too much. Sometimes people kind of reel back a little bit, but you know, it's always important for me to, to intimate the fact that we have a better chance of figuring this place out and this experience out and we're willing to actually share. And yes. I don't have the mm -hmm. answer. We talked about the app and the label and all these things. I don't believe I have all of the answers. I know that I have answers that I've been able to, to that have been successful for me and I know that that information is a resource to other people. So I'm grateful to you guys for giving me the forum to be able to do this. And and obviously to to, to be able to rap with any time is a damn pleasure. <laughs> so I'm uh, come I'm on, great. man. Always. Yes, sir. Yeah. Always. Our pleasure. I love you. I love Our you pleasure. Now. I love you. No, I love you too. And, and it's mutual. And I appreciate what it is that you guys are building, what you guys are doing at Jazz In. It's important that, you know, to continue to push this stuff in the right way with the right energy. You know, 
Appreciate well, that. I know your price is going up. I know your price is going up. They say, you so, want me to so leave I guess I won't be able to get you. No, I'm coming with you anyway. I'm coming with you either way. But, uh, but you know, these drums ain't cheap. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> they sound good, man. All right, Vince. Yeah, hey, what do you say we we sign off for another? It's an excellent Miles Monday. Beautiful, oh, beautiful, man. beautiful. Thanks, Christian. I love you. I love you too, yo. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You are very welcome. All You're right, welcome. now. Thanks, B man. So long. You too. Ciao, so ciao. long. Thanks for watching, hey, everybody. Yes. Real quick, I'd like to um, dedicate this show to to Little Rondo. That's my uncle Joe. Uh, he, he's in. Uh, he lives in Orlando. Is this is little dog not doing well. So, you know, we're going right. to keep praying. Praying for Uncle That's Joe. Right. Praying for little Rondo. B. Beautiful. V. Beautiful, B. Come on, A man. Pleasure as always, man. Come on. Who next? Thank you for Who another next? awesome Miles Monday. Who next week? Uh, we'll figure that out. We got a lot of people. We got Terrace Martin coming back. We got M2 May yeah. lined up. Yeah. Uh, Carlos. Got a lot of people. We're getting Carlos Santana. Hopefully, yeah. we're working on it yeah. back on the show to talk Miles, one of his favorite subjects. But, uh, a lot of things in store, Vince. And it's all thanks to you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, check Thank out milesdavis.com, right? Miles Davis store. Yep, yep. Go for all shop. this excellent merch. There it is. Shout out to Norman Perry of Periscope. Right on, man. Vince, a pleasure. You have a good week, man. Stay safe. Thanks for watching, everyone. So long. Wear your mask. <laughs>